for earlier. That's, that's fortuitous. Uh, it's good to see everybody this morning. I'll tell you, yeah, sorry, that was a little loud. Um, Zach was scheduled to teach this morning, uh, and they had some drama this week, so we've been praying for them. I'll, I'll kind of give you a little information so that you can pray for the Larrabees as well. Zach is our city missions pastor, um, and Becky is great with child. And, but she wants to be a little bit greater with child, but on Friday, uh, she went into kind of some early labor, um, and also with some health issues with Grant, like they're scheduled to give birth at MUSC in Charleston, and so she went into labor here, and so after labor for a little while, they opted to get her to Charleston quickly, so she got to have a helicopter ride and, and get down to Charleston, and, uh, but here's what everybody was praying, like we sent the word out to, to leadership and staff, and it disseminated, we were like praying that labor would stop, and Saturday morning, labor stopped. And so that's awesome, like thumbs up God. And so they're coming back today. And so uh, through the rest of this month, like, like think about Zach and Becky, but do more than think about them, like pray for them, pray that, that this baby could continue to develop and that they would be able to be in Charleston when they're supposed to be in Charleston. So the people that know what's going on that are going to make corrections and, and take care of this child and Becky would be on hand and ready to roll. Um, so pray for them, like send them a message, say, hey, go God. Thanks that labor stopped, which is normally not something that we pray for, uh, especially, you know, if you've had a child, you don't want labor to stop. But for her, we did, and uh, so that's a big deal. And uh, so I am not Zach this morning, but we're going to be talking about hope um, in just a moment. But I did want to share this, and this was up on the screen. You can throw this back up for me real quick. Um, so last year was the first year that we did the Christmas Give campaign, and we, we made this statement like, if, you can, if you're a regular giver to Origins and you can only afford to give to one thing in December, give to this. Um, like, I'll go ahead and tell you, like, we've already made budget for the month, which is pretty miraculous and pretty awesome. Um, we, we try to, you know, we're high-speed, low-drag when it comes to money. Like, we want to stretch every dime as far as we can for the glory of God and take care of the things that we take care of, take care of the city, make sure the gospel's attached to every single dime that we send out. And we've already made budget for the month. And so if you want to give to Origins, that's great, but I'd prefer that you give to this. Uh, this money's going to be split between three different things. Abby, um, my wife talked about Guatemala and our trip there, uh, but we're also giving to Set Free Alliance this month. Um, they rescue kids from slavery. Uh, they provide clean water. They plant churches in those areas that they do that. They do great things. Um, and then the rest of the money uh, is going to Mountain View Family or Christian Counseling here in the city. They're a not-for-profit that does Christian counseling, provides it to everybody that needs it, whether they can pay or not. And so that's the reason they need funding. And so um, we have several families that have taken, taken advantage of, of the services they offer, uh, but we want to support them further so that they can continue to do that for families and for individuals who can't uh, afford it. And so I don't know if that QR code's working or not, but this one does, and these are plastered up everywhere, uh, even if you have an iPhone. Like, I'm an Android guy, and it always works. So, you know, just, you know, just poking at the iPhone people because I get poked at all the time. But anyway... You, you open your camera, and then you, you just go right to it. And so we would love for you to give um, and, and help us be very, very generous to people. Last year, we were blown away um, by what we were able to give away. And as soon as January 2nd rolled around and we got back into business operations, we, we cut some large checks uh, to three different places plus our, our mission trip group. And so we were blown away by that. And so if you want to give this month, we'd, we'd ask that you do this. It'll close down at December 31st, 11.59 p.m., and so between now and then, um, we'd, we'd love for you to do that. So these are plastered up in places. There's also this in the weekly email. You can find it all over the world. So awesome. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Luke chapter 2. Believe it or not, we're going to be talking about the Christmas story. 
And I always tell people, like, if you're here with us during the Christmas season or Easter, like, you don't have to wonder where we're going to be. Like, uh, we're not going to try to put a new spin on it. We're not going to try to dress it up and package it and look for something that people haven't seen before. Like, these are stories that need to be told, retold, reheard, and lived out frequently. And so today we're going to be looking at uh, just the shepherds and the angels and the experiences they had. Um, And again, Zach was scheduled to teach, but, you know, it happens to be a topic that I'm familiar with, so I think we're going to be okay. Uh, We did mess with Neil a little bit. Neil Culler is one of our elders um, and he's, he's a great teacher across the table, but he's never done this. And so we were going to mess with him and send notes to him and just kind of pretend it was going to happen this morning and right up until the zero hour and be like, ah, we got you. But we couldn't, we couldn't do it. I was afraid he might die. So we, we'd prefer to keep him alive this morning. Uh, so if you will, let's pray together. And then uh, we're going to read and we're going to talk through uh, just this idea that, that Jesus, Jesus brings joy that we can't imagine. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we get to celebrate him this month um, and throughout the rest of the year, but specifically this month, the fact that, that he came and he was born um, in a very unlikely manner and lived a very unlikely life and died a horrible death, also that we may know you. Um, thank you, God, for the gift that is Jesus. Um, as we celebrate this month and as we, we go through the motions, Father, I pray that we would see that, that Christ's coming was at the center of that. And it's the reason for all of that, but it's also the reason for our hope. Um, Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for his obedience. Thank you for his example. Uh, Thank you for the price that he paid that we could not. And thank you that through him we can know you, uh, be known by you, and make you known. We love you, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. So thanks for the Blairs. They've already read through the text that we're going to read this morning, but we're going to read through again, starting chapter 2, verse 8. And just to set it up, like this... This is that time. This is when Jesus was born. And so, starting in chapter 2, verse 8, it says, In the same region, region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find him wrapped, find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an, a multitude of angels of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This morning, I, I kind of as we do every year, we just, we just read this story. And next week, like if you show up for Christmas Eve, like we're going to read it again, and we're going to kind of start from the beginning, and we're just going to read the story. There's not going to be a sermon. We're going to sing familiar songs. We're going to have hot chocolate. We're going to have candles, because that's what you do, and, and we're going to enjoy that. And we're going to sing songs like Silent Night and Joy to the World and things like that. Maybe Joy to the World next week. I don't know. But Silent Night for sure. And, and we're just going to retell this story. Um, but this morning, like, I, I'm fascinated by, obviously, by Christ's coming. Like the way that he came, just it blows my mind every year when we start to think about this. And every year we, we go through the Advent stuff with our kids um, and we just read it and it kind of culminates with, with Christmas. And one of the first things that we unwrap is this little book every year. We wrap it up every year and we open it and we read it. And it's just a Christmas story. It's like, man, why, why all this? You know, it's not about the trees. It's not about the gifts. It's not about, it's not about all this. Like it's, it's about Jesus. And we read that story every year. And every year, like I feel like I'm reminded that the most fascinating thing is the way that Christ was announced. Like the way that it was, the word spread, you know, it blows my mind. Um, because if we think about it, if we put it in terms, and we've been trying to think about, you know, the past few weeks that we've gone through Advent, we've talked about, you know, hope, we've talked about peace, we've talked about joy. Next week, we'll talk about love. And we talk about, like, this was God with skin on that came to dwell among us, you know, to be Emmanuel, God with us. And the way that he came is just, is absurd, 
Because most of the time, if we're, going to, if we're going to announce the arrival of a king, you know, even if they're from the smallest country with the most letters, like there's going to be a lot of fanfare. You know, there's going to be red carpets. There's going to be a band. There's going to be all of these things. But yet Jesus came like in the middle of the night. He came quietly and he, he just came in like this non-fanfare fashion. And the people that it was announced to to spread the word were the least likely of all. Like the absolute least likely of all. And there's a reason for that. Like God doesn't make accidents. Uh, but the characters that fascinate me most, and I, I hate to say characters because that makes it sound like a fictional story, but the people that were involved that fascinate me most are the shepherds. And, and I just I read every year and it just kind of hits me like, why, why them? Of all people, like why the shepherds? And so we find these shepherds, they're out in the middle of the field at night, and they're watching their flocks because that's what shepherds do. But a little bit that we need to know about shepherds is, um, you know, Jesus would redeem this idea of shepherd. Like, he would be a good shepherd, and it was necessary for him to be called a good shepherd because most shepherds were not. They weren't good. Like, they were the bluest of blue collar that was dirty blue collar that you didn't take home to meet mom and dad. Like, they were the people that most likely, they didn't own the sheep, but they were hired and paid a little bit to watch the sheep. And these weren't just shepherds. These weren't just, you know, the lowest of the shepherds uh, or the lowest of the working class, but these were night shift shepherds. Okay, we don't think about that a whole lot. Like, these were the ones that weren't even good enough to watch the sheep during the daytime. These were night shift shepherds. These were third shifters, okay? These were like the shepherds of the shepherds. You know, the, below just the normal shepherds that you walk on the other side of the street from because they smell, they use words that you don't like, you know, they're savory as, a, you know, as characters, that kind of thing. You know, they're modern equivalent to like sailors. No offense to people that were in the Navy. Thank you for serving. But, I mean, that, that's what they were. They were the modern day equivalent to like sailors. You know, they probably spoke like sailors. They probably smelled like sailors, except like sheep. And these were like the ones that lived in the bottom of the boat. They worked night shift. And they're out there in the middle of the field watching their sheep because that's what they do. And then all of a sudden, of all people to hear the pronouncement, they're the ones. They're the ones that the angels appear to. They're the ones that say, hey, go and see, do all of this. And they do. But of all people, the shepherds, and so I want us to look at a couple of things that, that are said to them, and then I do. Like, I, I just I kind of want to answer that question, like, why shepherds? What does it mean for us, and what does it do? Why shepherds? What does it mean for us, and, and what does it do? So it says, in the same region there, were shep- region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And in verse 9, it says, And an angel of the Lord feared to th- appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Believe it or not, if you're standing in pitch black, watching a bunch of neighing sheep, and then all of a sudden the sky explodes, you're going to freak out a little bit. Like, I don't know, like, I, I, I love to camp, and I love, like, the nighttime because you can get away from, from, you know, civilization and street lights, and you look up, and there's just, there's all of these stars, and it's so dark. And I know our kids often say, like, I never see this many stars, and you don't. But imagine you're laying on your back, uh, camping, like, in the middle of nowhere. The stars look beautiful, and all of a sudden, the sky just explodes. Like, you're going to flip. Okay, you're, you're, it's going to be a bit scary. And so these shepherds, like, by nature, by job, by occupation, they see the same night sky every single night. They hear the same noises every single night. They smell the same thing every single night. But tonight was different. Tonight was different. Tonight was other than. Tonight was miraculous. Tonight was crazy. That night was just, it was scary. It was scary. And it just says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So then the angel speaks in verse 10. And the angel says, the very first thing is like, Fear not, don't be afraid. Why would he say don't be afraid? Because they were. I mean, they were, and they had every right to be. Like, if we go through all of the stories of Scripture, anytime an angel appears, the very first thing they have to say generally is like, hey, 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 oh, oh, it's okay, it's okay, shh, just shh, 
Like we see with, with Mary and Joseph, like, oh, there's an angel in your bedroom. You've got you to gotta calm down. Just, just take a breath. It's okay. You know, and even if we go back to the Old Testament and Christophanies and, and all of those things that appear, like every time it's like, hey, 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 just, just pump the brakes. Just hold on. You're okay. Don't be afraid. He didn't say pump the brakes because they didn't have brakes then. But for us, it, it'd be a similar idea. Just, it's okay. So the first thing that the angel says is, is fear not. And then he says, for behold or for look, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And uh, in the idea, like if we're reading this in Greek, this is what the angel just says. He says, uh, I want you to look. I am gospelizing you right now, and it will bring great joy for everybody. Gospelizing, like the word that we get gospel from is what's often translated as, as good news. And here, it's one Greek word that says bringing good news or gospelizing to a degree. He's like, look, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to look. Okay, I am, I am sharing with you or I am gospelizing you right now and in this word that I'm telling you, in this idea that I'm bringing you, in this notion that's coming to you is going to rest joy and not just joy for you, but joy for all. Joy for all. And that's the reason we sing Joy to the World. Like, I don't know if you've ever read the lyrics of Joy to the World, but it is, man. It, it's doctrinally sound. It's scripturally sound. It's a beautiful picture of like what Christ brings. And in this moment, the angel's like, don't be afraid. I'm sharing the best news that you'll ever hear with you, and it's going to bring great joy, not just for you, not just here, not just for the sheep, but for all people. It's going to be the best news, the best news. And then he continues to tell them, and he starts to tell them what this news is. In verse 11, he says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Reminiscent of Isaiah 9, 6, for says unto us, a child will be born. But in this place, he says, unto you in the city of David, Bethlehem. Again, fulfilling prophecy that we see all the way back in the Old Testament that we talked about in week one. City of David would be Bethlehem or, or town of bread, that kind of idea. Podunk, possum kingdom place. He's like, I'm bringing you great news. Like the best news, gospelizing you right now. It's going to bring joy for all the people. And here's the good news. Unto you right now, a child is born. A child is born in the city of David, of Bethlehem, and not just a child, but a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Most of the time we read that and it's just, it's just kind of a phrase, um, but understand even if these, these shepherds, these night shift shepherds, even if they were just partially aware of the Hebrew idea that someone better was coming, like these words would have stuck out to them. Like, obviously, the Savior idea, that, that generally just means someone to rescue, okay? But then we see uh, Jesus the Christ, or, or Christ the Lord. In Greek, that would be Christos, but in Hebrew, it would be Messiah. In Greek, Christos, which is the anointed one. In Hebrew, the Messiah, and it's the promised deliverer. The promised deliverer for hundreds of years. For hundreds of years, they had just... They had been waiting so long that probably many had forgotten. That probably many had come to the place now where they're like, yeah, this is just, this is just idle talk. No one's coming to rescue us. You know, I, I think about it in, in the terms of like Tom Hanks, you know, when he's on that island, you know, and he has a best friend that's a volleyball. Yeah, like Castaway. I couldn't, yeah, my brain, my brain, I couldn't remember the name of the movie. But, but I think like that at some point, he probably just thought, yeah, nobody's coming by. Nobody's going to rescue me. I'm not going to see a freight line. I'm not going to see a plane. Not going to happen. I don't need to say a word for an hour in a movie that lasts two hours and 15 minutes. I, you know, no, because no one's coming. At this point, they had probably just thought, it's, I've heard these stories. 
My great-great-granddad in wrinkles told me these stories. My great-granddad told me these stories. My granddad told me these stories. My dad told me these stories. My crazy uncle, because we all have a crunkle, he told me these stories. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. We, we've talked about Messiah, and I've heard it spoken of of Christos, but I don't know. But on this night, in the middle of pitch black, for third shift shepherds, the angels appeared, and they're like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you the best news. It's going to bring joy for all people, because tonight, what you've been waiting for, he's arrived. He's arrived. And that's Advent. Like that, That's why we celebrate Advent. That's, that's why we take something that's fairly orthodox, and we try to apply it to modern culture of just building up the anticipation that they would have felt. Like I talk about a relational hermeneutic a lot, and that's just like hermeneutics is, is trying to read into Scripture or read from Scripture exactly what the original authors were inspired to write to the original audience and then understand their original meaning and then figure out what it means to us eternally. But like a relational hermeneutic, I want us to try to put ourselves in the place of the people that were involved uh, at the time that these things occurred. And so for us, like to place ourselves in the shoes or the sandals or the nasty boots of these third shift shepherds and to try to see all of these things, to try to hear all of these things... And just to try to perceive everything that is coming into their little brains right now, like it's, it'll blow your mind. Because we, we sing of these stories, they're on the radio, like we have them written down, we have books that we can readily buy and read these stories, but for them, they were hearing it for the very first time, and they had probably gotten tired of waiting for it. But tonight, on this night, in this place, they heard it. The one you've been waiting on, he's here. He's here. Joy for all people attached. The best news. The best news. And then they, the angel points out in verse 12, he's like, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. <laughs> like, understand, like this is a story that goes high, it goes low, it goes high, it goes low. And, and they're in the middle of the night, they're scared out of their mind, super, super high. And then the angel appears and he's like, look, don't be afraid, trying to bring them down. I bring you the best news that you've ever heard. It's for joy for all people. That deliverer, that Messiah, the Christ, he's here. And, and what would you expect? Go and find him in the palace, right? Go and find him in the palace. He's going to have people all around. There's going to be chariots. There's going to be horses. There's going to be trumpets. There's going to be all of those things. Nope. You're going to find him in a horse trough wrapped in borrowed cloth just being a baby. The Messiah. The Deliverer. The Christ. That's how he came. And man, again, like we talk about the gospel being different. Jesus being different, being completely other than. None of us would have written this story. Like, that's not how we would write the story of the Redeemer of all mankind, the King of all kings, God with skin on dwelling among us. That's not how he would have come if we chose to write a Tolkien-esque story. It's not. Like, we would have had grandeur. We would have had songs. We would have had fireworks if the Chinese would have invented them by then. They maybe have. I don't know. But we would have had all those things. But it was none of those. It was quiet, it was humble, it was meek, and it was told to shepherds first. Shepherds, third shift, dirty. Nobody wants to take these people home. 
And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then here comes back up again. Verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, likely singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. So they go from still night sky to an explosion, an angel, the glory of God shone around them. They're scared out of their minds. Stop, be still, don't be afraid. I bring you the greatest news that you've ever heard, and it'll bring hope to all people. This deliverer, this Christ, this Messiah that you've been waiting for, he's here. He's just right over there in Podunk, nowhere, Bethlehem. Go and see, because he's here to rescue. You've been waiting, and he's here. And then all of a sudden, like an angelic choir, we assume that they're singing. Either way, they're speaking loud, and it's, man, it's a lot and they're just out there. And the, and the shepherds, I'm sure they're just like, you know, kind of, I don't know if they've said a word this entire time. We don't see anything recorded. They're probably just like, what is going on? You know, we're not getting paid for this. But of all people, to herald the coming of our Messiah, it was them. And again, like one of the reasons that I find the gospel so believable is because it is so unbelievable. It's not the way I would do it. And it's not the way you would do it. But it is the way God did it. And so a couple of things, like, again, I, I do, like, I think about, like, of all people, why did God do it like this? And the first question that generally pops into my mind is, is why shepherds? And like we talked about, like, shepherds, as far as, like, culture and class, like, they, they didn't have any. You know, that, that wasn't their job. Their job was to take care of animals. They smelled like the sheep. They probably talked like the sheep. They probably walked like the sheep. They were in all regards, except on two feet, they were sheep. That's what they did. That's what they were paid to do. They weren't paid to be nice. They were paid to take care. They were paid to protect. They were paid to make sure that investments didn't wander off. That's what they were paid to do. And God appeared to them. God used them to herald the coming of Christ. And I often think, like, why shepherds? But to answer that, I have to think about God to a degree. We've been in 1 John before we, we jumped over to Advent, and we'll pick back up in 1 John in January. But in the beginning, in 1 John 1, 5, we're, taught, we're told about God, and it echoes the sentiments that we see all throughout the Old Testament coming into the New Testament, that in 1 John 1, 5, we're, so, we're told that God is light. And not only is God light, but in Him, there's no darkness at all. And so, like, He is pure. In, in Old Testament ideas, He's holy. Like, He's completely set apart, completely other than. By all regards, He's out of reach. Like, he's that good. And then we have to think about man. Like, if we think about Psalm 14, Romans 3, uh, we learn this fact, that by comparison to God, like, we're not him. As a matter of fact, we're as far as possible as we could completely be away from God. It says that there is none righteous, not a single one. None of us have the ability to pursue good apart from God. And it says, for all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark, every single one of us, from the moment that we draw our first breath until Christ comes and redeems us like we're incapable. And by comparison, like God is ultimately good, high and lifted up. In the very words of Isaiah in chapter 6, before we read about these messianic prophecies, Isaiah encounters God in chapter 6. In Isaiah, like, he's pretty good. Like, he's a major prophet, and he has a great life and a great resume to show for it. But in a vision, when he sees God, he looks at God and he says, Oh my goodness, I'm ruined. I'm undone. I'm unfurled because I've seen the goodness of God. I've seen the depravity of myself. And by comparison, God should be completely out of reach. 
And so we ask the question, why shepherds? Why third shift shepherds? Because I'm a shepherd. You're a shepherd. That's us. This is who God appeared to. He appeared to those who could not reach him, who did not deserve him, who could not fathom his goodness, who were at the bottom of the barrel. That's us. Like if you've never been told it, if you've never heard it, like as a result of even one sin, and we don't have one, we have mounds. Like mounds and not the candy that tastes disgusting because it's, you know, no, I'm kidding, it's not that bad. But either way, like mounds, and this is my ADD, it's kicking in. We have mounds of sins and by comparison to God, like we are. We are those shepherds. Like every single day of our life, God should be understood to be out of reach, beyond us, holy, 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 trihagian nature, like compared to us, like we are. We're utterly cut off. Like we talked about it last week, like our two columns. Like before Jesus, we were cut off. We were strangers. We were aliens. Not just to one another, but to God. That's who we are. Like we are third shift shepherds in relation to God. That's who we are. And we have to understand that. We have to take that. We have to know that. Because if there's a day that we don't understand that that's how we came into this world... We won't see grace as being that sweet. We won't see mercy as being undeserved. We won't see the reaching of God through Christ as being miraculous. We'll look at it as something that maybe we deserved or maybe something we earned. And that's just simply not true. We couldn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. As a matter of fact, we're as far as the, on the opposite end of the spectrum from that as possible. We couldn't write this story. And we couldn't unwrite ours. So God appeared to shepherds. He appeared to these that were lowly. He appeared to these that were cut off from society and His grace. And I think He did it to show, man, if I can appear to them and herald my message to them, there's no one out of my reach. Because let's be honest, you're a little better than a shepherd. But in relation to God, we're not. But if he can reach them, if he can share and herald his message through them, he can do it through anybody, even me, even you. And so these shepherds, that's the why, but, but what exactly did they hear? We, we've talked about a little bit the things, the, the angels and the things that they said. They said, do not be afraid. The good news, or I'm gospelizing you here now, the promised Savior, deliverers here to bring completeness like we talked about last week. Because again, they started and then the angelic chorus, they sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Since he's bringing that peace, and we talked about the biblical idea of peace is not the, the absence of disturbance or tranquility or still waters, but it's like God came to give us peace in the sense that he came to complete. He came to Jerry Maguire, it, you know, kind of a thing. You know, you had me at hello, that's terrible. You complete me. Terrible movie, I'm sorry. But, but like, this is what peace is according to Scripture. Like, it's not just bringing smooth waters and smooth sailing. No, it is coming to mend and make whole the things that we could not mend and make whole. And that's us and our relationship with God. This is why Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And this is why peace comes through Christ and Christ alone. Because only God can fix what is broken in us. Only God can mend the things that we have broken. Only God can bring the wholeness that we refer to as peace. Only through Jesus. That's what he came to do. And on earth, peace, this completeness, this wholeness among those with whom he is pleased. To a shepherd in the middle of the night with a baby lying in a feeding trough, wrapped in strips of borrowed, stolen, a 
acquired cloth. This is how Jesus is announced. This is how he comes. But there's a phrase that's, that's tagged onto that when translated well that, that sticks with me about as much as the shepherds. And it says, On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Old English translations translate a little bit differently, but, but since about the 70s when we've got a little more manuscripts in hand and a few other things like translations have, have, have been refined a good little bit. And in this particular text, not taking into account manuscript editions in the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th century, that's a whole other discussion over a lot of coffee. Um, we just have this phrase, and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. Like that phrase should stick you a little bit because we just acknowledged that he appeared to shepherds because, to be honest, that's us. There's nothing pleasing to God about a shepherd. There's nothing pleasing to God that someone's that's so cut off from him um, by sin, by transgression, by choosing to follow the patterns of the world instead of the Prince of Peace. Like, there's nothing pleasing in us. But here, as they're heralding the coming of Christ, the angels are saying, glory to God in the highest. We've got that. Like, bring all praise, all glory, all honor to God who's high and lifted up far above us and on earth peace, completeness, fullness, being knit together among those with whom he is pleased. This is still attached to that gospelizing that the angels, the message that the angels are bringing. They said the Christos is here, the Messiah is here, the promised deliverer is here. Here's the thing we need to understand too. Like this last line of peace on earth with whom that he is pleased, like that couldn't happen without Jesus. The one that was just born in a manger, lowly, borrowed, humble, and meek, and quiet other than the crying, because babies do that. Like that couldn't happen, this peace with among, among those whom he's pleased. It, it couldn't happen without Jesus. Because here's the reality. In the way that I'm born, I'm incapable of truly pleasing God. And you're like, man, that's not fair. Nope, it's not. It's not fair that I'm made a way to actually please God, but like, I'm born incapable. That's what Romans is talking all about. Like, you know, we are born cut off, separated, like strangers, aliens, alienated, incapable of pursuing the good that pleases God in and of ourselves. We can't do that. But here's the good news. Like, through Jesus, God actually made a way so that we can be delivered from sin, delivered from self, we can understand that the Messiah, he didn't just come to make a great story and awesome Christmas songs. He came so that we could actually be a part of this creation that does please God. It's only through Jesus. It's only through Jesus. Because here's the beauty of what happens at salvation, and maybe you haven't heard this either. All of the things that make me a shepherd, a lowly night shift shepherd, my inability to pursue good, my inability to choose God, my inability to be good enough to redeem myself, the fact that Jesus comes and I get to trust in his words, his life, his death, his resurrection, and place my hope in him. When God looks at me now, he doesn't see a shepherd anymore. He sees Jesus. Because I've been covered. I have been grafted in to this with whom he is pleased by the blood of Jesus. And that is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. 
When God looks at his children, we are children as a result of by grace through faith. But when he looks at us, he doesn't see everything that made us shepherds. He just sees Jesus. And when he looks at Jesus, he's completely pleased. We see it twice in the New Testament. We see it at the time of his baptism. Uh, we see it up on the mountain when he just takes a couple with him. And God pronounces from the heavens, uh, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am perfectly, completely pleased. And as a result of salvation, now we are co-heirs with that pleasure. We are co-heirs with that pleasure. We are actually called brothers and sisters of Jesus, which makes no sense at all either. But when he looks at us, he has divine pleasure for his son because we've now been bought by a very high price and we're able to please God. It's nuts. The gospel doesn't make sense. Shouldn't make sense. Should not be normal. Should not be mundane. To a degree, I think we should have to hear the same things that the shepherd heard, shepherds heard right out of the angel's mouth. Hey, what you're about to see in here is crazy. I don't want you to be afraid. Just hear and believe. Christmas is about the message of our deliverer, the message of our Christ, that even if we haven't heard it from our great-great-granddads, our great-granddads, our granddads, our crunkle, we needed someone to deliver us. We needed a rescuer. We needed a Messiah. He's here. He's come. If we just believe, like we actually get the opportunity the right and the privilege to please God with the life of Jesus that's on display in us. And that's wild. That's wild. That's what we celebrate. Like, yeah, songs are great. Presents, they're great. Tinsel, it's annoying. But Jesus, he came to deliver. He came to fix what was broken that we could not. If we just believe. If we just believe. I always talk about one thing that I get from Christmas, and I, even if I go all the way back to, to creation and, and reading it forward, like the divine generosity of God. The divine generosity of God, unmatched, often misunderstood, but the fact that He gave of Himself. Because no matter how much we gave, no matter how hard we worked, it would never be enough. But He gave of Himself so that we could be fixed so that we could be knit together, so that peace could be had, so that uh, love could be felt, so that hope could be experienced, and so that all of these things lead to joy. And very often we, we equate joy to happiness, we equate it to an emotion, but what joy really rests in in Scripture is actually being able to see the end result and in spite of circumstance, maintaining hope. That's joy. Being able to see the end circumstance, being able to see the end result in spite of circumstance and being able to maintain hope. That's how we can have joy in trials. That's how we can have joy in persecution. That's why we can have joy in crushing agony. Because we know, according to the promises of God, He's already handled it. He's already fixed what was broken ultimately. And while our day may be bad, our eternity can rest with Him. And there's joy. It's only through Jesus. It's only through Jesus. And so the beauty is we get to live in that. But here's the other part that we get to take from the, the shepherds, and we'll read about that next week. We also get to tell about it. Like we get to live in it, 
but we get to speak of it. We get to tell about it. Uh, you know, be prepared to make a defense for every reason why it is that you have joy, according to First to Peter. Like, why is it that we have hope in the midst of trials, testing, persecutions? How is it that we can have joy? Because, to be honest, as bad as it may be, we know how it ends. And not necessarily ends, but continues. Like, we, we just know. Joy. Joy is not an emotion. Joy is not a choice. Joy is an acceptance of the things that God has done are better than anything we could possibly understand or go through. That's joy. And that's only through Christ. Only through Christ. As we celebrate Christmas, I would encourage you, and some of the questions that we've been asking over the past few weeks is like, what are things that we can make our worship more direct? What are some things that we can be a bit more intentional about the way that we celebrate Jesus? Um, I would just encourage you just to say thank you a whole lot more. Like, if you have been bound to God through Jesus, like, say thank you a lot more and understand that and go back and listen if you want to and you won't be able to see the hand gestures but there's a column here and there's a column here and we've been removed from here and we've been placed here and there's so much to be grateful for in Jesus and in Jesus alone and just say thank you more and and when you know with our kids even in the hustle and bustle on Christmas morning like one of the things we do our best just to stop and, and not to make it like liturgical or not to make it religious but just to be honest and be like yes all of this is fun but Jesus you're better and it sounds cheesy and it sounds trite, but like we have to remind ourselves in the midst of all this stuff that like, Jesus, we, we celebrate you today. Thank you for all the stuff. That's great, but, but thank you so much for Jesus. Let's do that. Let's be intentional.